Can the Federal Reserve create more wheat? No. Right. Can the Federal Reserve plant soybean? No. Can the Federal Reserve give us the goods that we need? No. What the Federal Reserve is trying to do by raising rates is they're trying to get people to spend less. Meaning, if, if they can essentially trigger a recession, the same amount of wheat, the same amount of Apple iPhones, the same amount of vehicles are going to be there. But if they can trigger the demand side to go down, that's going to bring prices down. So they're intentionally trying to force a recession. Hello and welcome to Candid, where we never settle for less than the truth. I'm your host, Jonathan Youssef. Each week we'll tackle tough issues, answer your hard questions, and take a candid look at the Christian faith. If you've been enjoying the podcast, would you take a minute to log on to your favorite podcast platform, rate us, and leave us a review? It would be a tremendous help, and it allows others to find us easily. Gas prices are rising. Inflation is affecting us not just here in the U.S., but globally. The stock market is a roller coaster, and many are holding their breath in these times. As I thought about this topic, I knew I had to invite David Nicholas back to Candid Conversations, and a lot has changed since our previous conversation, and he provides great insight about the global economy and personal finance, and we discuss these things from a biblical worldview. In today's conversation, David provides sound financial advice, not only for young people, but also for our older listeners who are planning for and considering retirement in this current economy. We also talk about whether or not our faith should impact the companies that we invest in, like should we invest in Disney and other companies whose values may not align with our own. David Nicholas is president and founder of Nicholas Wealth Management, a financial planning and investment advisory company. He is a weekly market commentator on major media networks, including Fox Business, CNBC, CNN, and CBS. He was previously named as one of Atlanta's most powerful leaders by Atlanta Magazine. David has served on the vestry at his church, and in his free time enjoys traveling and spending time with his wife, Kristen, and their three children. Now, on to our candid conversation. David, we're so glad that you were able to make some time and uh, come and talk to us about uh, finances and the economy and um, a lot of things that many Christians are thinking about and having to deal with. Yeah. And uh, thank you for taking the time. Absolutely. Excited to be here again. Yeah. Okay. So we're going to talk about the wise thing to do as a younger person, Gen X, millennial, Gen Z even. And then we'll think a little bit about those who are a little bit later in life, Mm -hmm. um, state planning. What are the sort of the wise things to be considering and thinking about and navigating in that? As far as like as a young person listening, I get this question a lot because David, hey, I'm starting out and maybe you someone that just got a first job or maybe you're just recently married or maybe you had your first kid or you're, you're starting your family and it's, it, it can be tight, right? Because you've yeah. got all these expenses now yeah. from diapers, you, you got inflation that's causing things like even diapers. To yeah, yeah. Cost, yeah, 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 that's right. Okay, so we've got to prepare. Uh, as Christians, we always believe God takes care of his children, no question, uh, but we have to also start thinking about it. at some point we're going to be done working yeah, and we have to consider what is that going to look like? And it's hard if you're 30 years old to think about 30 years from now. Sure. 
But I always tell my clients that are younger starting out, like you really just got to start somewhere. We have a general rule. We like to have you know, 10% of your income go to tithing. Mm-hmm. But also another 10% of your income, you want to get up to saving towards retirement. Yeah. That most people are not going to be able to get there overnight. That's a yeah. lot of money, right? I yeah. mean, if you if you have a uh, household income of say a hundred thousand dollars, ten thousand dollars a year towards retirement is a lot for especially a young family. Yeah. But I always say you want to start. So if ten thousand a year for retirement would be eight hundred a month, well maybe you don't start there. Maybe it's a hundred dollars a month. You say sure. okay, let's just start putting this away. A Roth IRA is one of the best things you can do, and the reason for that, the Roth is not the investment itself. The Roth is just it all comes out tax free in retirement. Right. And I can tell you just. $30 trillion in national debt. Yeah. I mean, we, we add a trillion dollars to our deficit every year. Taxes are absolutely going higher. So 20 years from now, the taxes that we're paying now, I think, are nothing compared yeah. to what tax rates will be in the future. So if you put money into a Roth IRA today, while tax rates are actually the lowest they've been in 40 years based on the yes. 2070 tax cuts, but these tax cuts expire in 2025, so the odds are tax rates are going up. Putting money in a Roth account today means that it all comes out tax-free down the yeah, road. Yeah. I think for believers, for Christians, I think you know, being good stewards, it's also thinking, well, how can I be a good steward from a tax standpoint? Meaning, you know, keep as much as I can. We got to pay our fair share in taxes, but as much as we can to support our family yeah. uh, down the road. So I think starting a Roth, you can put up to six thousand dollars a year into a Roth IRA. I think it's a great option for mm-hmm. younger people, mm-hmm. uh, whether that's hundred dollars a month, five hundred dollars a month, whatever it is, to get up to that ten percent limit. Um, but kids, mm-hmm. uh, education yeah. costs. I've sat on the board of private schools, and I've seen that there's a sort of a standard three percent increase every year. And I did the math in my head and thought, I'm not going to be able to afford tuition by the it's time insane. my kids are in school. So, so what are you, yeah. what do you recommend to clients? Uh, in terms of education, yeah, of uh, setting money aside, yeah. So that. that's a good. So one of the best things is setting up a five twenty nine plan. So most states have five twenty nine plans, uh, and what you can do is you can put money into it, and then generally, uh, Georgia is this way. Some of the other states act this way too. You can put money in, you get a tax deduction for it for your state income taxes. But here's what I love. So let's just say you're a young person now. You got a young family. You can set up a 529 plan, but your parents or, you know, your in-laws or your family member, they can all put money into this 529. You can set it up. Your parents can fund it. Grandparents can fund it. But here's what else I like about it. The money grows tax-free, but based on the law change from two years ago, you can take $10,000 a year out of a 529 towards a private or a Christian school. Mm. So you talk about, yeah, I mean, private school costs are continuing to go up, but a lot of families, they truly have a desire to send their kids to a Christian school or a private school, but financially it's just tough for them to do this. So with this 529, you can put money in today while your kids are young, right? Maybe one or two years old or or around that age. And then maybe your goal is by high school to have enough to be able to send them to a good Christian school. You can start putting money into this 529. They can use up to 10,000 a year towards their Christian schooling, private schooling. Uh, And then for college, obviously it's important, but Georgia has some great programs as well where you may not need as much of that uh, towards school, but a lot of states have those provisions. So I would say 529 is a great place to save for college, but also you can pull out for private school and Christian school as well, which yeah. is which is pretty powerful. And then sort of shifting gears, and I'm abundantly aware that we have an international audience and some of them have no idea what we're talking about. Sure. But thinking about you're now entering into retirement years mm-hmm. You're thinking about a legacy. You're thinking about what am I going to leave the generations behind us? Certainly, we would not recommend finance over a spiritual inheritance. Um, So don't mishear us. But there is certainly wisdom in 
thinking generationally down the yeah. line. How yeah. do you, how do you yeah. bless those ones behind? Yeah, you? that's a good, you know, I'm in the business of helping people build towards retirement. And so we right. spend all this time talking about what, about retirement, but a lot of times we, we forget to talk about our legacy. Like what do we want our actual legacy to be? And that's one of our five pillars. The last is legacy that we look at for our clients. Yeah. And so this is something actually, Johnny, your dad talked a lot about this, about how sometimes if you see universities, they create these big endowments. And a lot of times the future generations, it gets so far removed from what the original intent was. And so I always say that there's this balance between we want to be able to bless our kids and our grandkids. And I think we should start thinking about that. But I've started to tell my clients, too, like you don't have to wait until you're gone to start blessing the kingdom or blessing your family or your kids. And so like if you saved up a reasonable amount and you realize you're going to pass on a reasonable amount. You know, start instead of waiting till you're gone, like look at the fruits of look at experience the joy of blessing your kids or your grandkids or the church or nonprofits while you're alive. So we always yeah. look at that as well. It's like, what can you do if you're going to leave it anyway? Let's start using it to impact the kingdom yeah, today. Yeah. Um, but two, I'm very hopeful about the future as we all should be. But if you look at the way the world is heading, it almost has this feeling like maybe our kids or grandkids will have less ability as a Christian or just less ability for opportunity as we had. Right. I pray we're wrong. Right. But if that's the case, do we want to make sure that they do have the resources that they can go and do work in the kingdom Mm -hmm. or Mm -hmm. they can do what God has called them to do? And money may not be the driving factor to that. And that's why you can set up and we've helped clients set up trusts or estates to really be able to fund those goals. Um, But it's a balance. But I really do think we really should spend time on what we want our legacy to be. And building a trust is the best way to do that. Yeah. Uh, everyone's going to be a little bit different, but we usually look at trust to help guide. And you, your goal could be to leave money to the kingdom, leave money to the church, to make sure your kids go to college or have good schooling. You yeah. can do all that inside of your, your legacy plan as well. Yeah. Um, I, I'm just thinking in terms of, you know, the person who feels like they haven't been a good steward mm-hmm. of their money up to this point, mm-hmm. you know, I think you had said it earlier, like you have to start somewhere. That's right. So I'm That's sure right. your advice to them is like, start now. Yeah. Start thinking about these things now instead of yeah. keep putting it down the road. Or Yeah. It, it, a lot of time we usually see that are focusing around debt, right? So mm-hmm. normally what happens is it yeah. might be that you've taken on more debt than what you probably can support. Right. And so you just feel strapped every month. And yeah. so that's why whenever we, we'd be looking at what can we do to fix that issue? So let's just say you're someone and, and you're like, yeah, David, I... I probably have more debt than I should. And I've spent this and we're, we're, we're trying to pay it down. I think that's where just like you said, start, but you, you got to have a specific plan. Like the debt's not just going to disappear. No. Like I would say, like sometimes people say like, I've been They're dealing waiting with this for, for five or eight or 10 years. It's, <laughs> it's not just going to be better. Right. So it's like, you might have a few lean years of living under your budget, paying yeah. down debt yeah. could translate to the next 40 years being incredible years. Yeah. And so that's yeah. why I say sometimes we're, we're so short-minded yeah. that we think of just today. Like, okay, yeah. we've got to eat today. We've got to buy this today yeah. versus saying, let me sacrifice today uh, so that our future can be brighter. And I mean, that's what we all do as parents, right? We sacrifice so that our kids are, uh, will be better off, but also for our own lives, we've got to mm. sometimes do that uh, mm. to be able to get ahead. But I would say start somewhere. And when we're young, we almost think we're invincible yeah. and that time is forever. Yeah. Uh, but it's and then not, it's gone. It's gone. And <laughs> yeah. I, I tell you, I see people that are starting out, but I also see people that are towards the end of their careers. And they say the same thing, David, I feel like I, it was just yesterday that I was 30 years old. Here I am at 60 yeah. and I don't know where the time's gone. I hear that again and again. So I think it's just, you just got to do it. If you delay it, you delay it, delay it. You'll wake up one day and you realize, gosh, it, it might be too late. And 
um, I've got to be really make up for lost time. So I would yeah. start now. Well, yeah, I can see that. And those are wise words, right? That that's using wisdom and putting uh, wisdom into practice. Sure. Um, okay. So let, let's shift gears. So we've, we've seen some of this news recently. Yeah. Uh, there's been the leak of the Roe v. Wade, right. the draft that right. was being the brought up. So that's, that's, that's a big deal yeah. Um, yeah. that they were going to uh, work to repeal Roe v. Wade or at least throw it to the states. Mm-hmm. And then we have issues of, you know, large organizations like Disney who are into the woke category, however you want to define yeah. that. But there's certainly a political agenda towards pushing transgender mm-hmm critical race theory, a lot of those concepts to young, like indoctrinating young children. So how do you advise people who are caught up in all this in terms of investing or what does it look like as a business owner or a, yeah. Yeah, no, this is where it can be challenging, right? Because um, in America, you have two types of companies. You have publicly traded companies, which have hundreds of thousands of shareholders and you have private businesses. And this is where I think probably there's different responses for a private versus a public business, right? So a publicly traded company that has shareholders, right? So me and you can be shareholders of a company. That company, they have a fiduciary right to protect us as shareholders. And I think what's happening is a lot of corporations kind of forget who their shareholders are. We just saw this with Disney, right? These executives at the top that are pushing this agenda that is so extreme, right? To the point of pushing this sick uh, ideology on children, uh, that we saw some of the Disney executives say they intentionally want to do in some mm. of their shows mm. and, and whether it's gay lifestyle or, or, or different lifestyles that we know go contrary to the gospel. It's like they do forget that they are really called to be stewards and fiduciaries of us as shareholders. And I think that you're seeing some retribution, right? The state of Florida uh, came out and removed some tax benefits for for Disney. But I also think Public companies probably should be careful with where they go into that realm of politics. But but I do think private companies, they have a right to, mm-hmm. to vocal what they believe. And we're a private run company. I pray to God we always stay that way just so that we sure. never have to uh, deal with the pressures of public traded companies. But we are vocal about what we believe as a private company, about our faith and about what we believe and our values as Christians. Uh, but I think public companies have to be careful because they forget who their ultimate customer and shareholders are. Rasmussen did a poll last year. It was like 60% of Americans don't want corporations to get involved in politics, which is interesting. Half of those respondents were Democrats. 50% of Democrats said they don't want companies to get involved in politics. So I think Americans, there's a divisiveness factor that can come into play. I think the minority in these companies' voices are really big. But mm. then that asks the questions, okay, so if, you, if you're investing for retirement and you're being good stewards of what God gave you and your money, but then you're investing it in companies mm. – that are doing the very things opposite of what your faith. I think that's where we're seeing a lot of this dilemma right now. Like, what yeah. do you do as a believer? Should you not own these companies? Right. And so we've been looking at that closely and starting to say, you know what? Maybe we should vote to a degree with our dollars in that if a company is actively funding something that is contrary to the gospel, hmm. is that really one of where I want to be putting our money? And, right. and the answer for us is recently we, we said no. So, I mean, like even like a company like Disney – well, you look at the stock price. The stock price has got hammered yeah. since they've done all Which this. Which to me is strange, right? These these are all educated, smart people sure. who are making decisions, these executives. So in some sense, the politics have triumphed over 
the desire for yeah for pro- which is the whole concept of the game. That's right. That's right. That's but right. But to me, that that makes no sense. Like, so you're going to risk mm-hmm. your sort of secured value to get across an yeah. ideology. You may or may not be able to answer this, but is the idea that it's like this is worth the risk for us because we want to raise a generation of people who will then think this way and then then our you know yeah well you know it's funny i I think they don't think it's a risk like i think they think that that ideology is is so normal and commonplace and it's amazing the church we've sent missionaries all throughout the world but probably a mission field that we've neglected has been like corporate america sure yeah you know and it's like when you don't have Christians in these places of influence yeah, on yeah. corporate boards, corporate governance, and executive position, where is the voice for Christians in these areas? And so part of me is like, you know, the same way if you went to go work for the CIA and you were a spy and, and you, you had to infiltrate, that your mission was to infiltrate X country. I'm like, Christians, we need to almost put our mission caps back on and say, yeah. I'm going to go to a company like Disney. Yeah. And I, my mission that I feel like God has called me, I'm going to do everything I can to get as far up into a company like Disney so that I can influence it for the good of the gospel. Yeah. And so I think. But it's funny, you know, it's like the way you describe it is almost like it's this clandestine thing, right? But that is the, the heart of the gospel. Mm. Like we have been given tools and abilities and, and wisdom and insight. And so we use those, That's right. right? To the right. So we work as unto the Lord. Mm. So we would naturally want to be working our way up the corporate ladder, so to speak. And then naturally the outflow of our giving a a reason for the hope that lives within us with gentleness and respect. So like we're naturally going to be evangelical, like people of good news in in a society that is against that. That's right. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I I just think that we're seeing a lot of this on the corporate level is we just don't have as much of a Christian influence as we did in the past. And we're seeing the result of that for a lot of these companies. Right. And so I think there's that aspect of it is why would they choose that if they, if I, because I think they think it is profitable for them to expose these woke ideas because they think if they think that way as an executive, they must think all their customers think that way and the, and, and their shareholders. But I think they're starting to realize like, wait a second, no. I mean, oh, they're, yeah. They're, we changed our mind. Yeah. We've seen a lot of this. So I think of, um, you know, when the branding of some of these major corporations comes out and it's sort of rainbow mm. graphics and that sort of thing. Yeah. And you said this earlier about the minority. It's a really vocal minority who's antagonistic to anyone who's opposed to these ideologies. Do you feel like maybe it's the corporations just responding to that? Because I know there was a sense in which like the general American population was against gay marriage. Mm -hmm. But then once it had passed into law, like those numbers did a real shift Mm, Uh, and people were kind of like, yeah, Yeah. all right, I'm okay with it. Yeah. And so then it's like companies were like, whoa, well, we need to get on this. Yeah, that's right. It almost like it was accepted. So then now you're seeing this. But I'll tell you, it's almost like these are now becoming mandates. (laughs) So take the New York Stock Exchange, for example. The New York Stock Exchange earlier this year said they are considering only allowing companies to publicly list. Like, this is just absolutely insane. But this is the extent of what you're just describing. 
They will may only allow companies to list on the New York Stock Exchange that have met certain quotas. Mm. Okay, meaning how many minorities do they have on their yeah, board? Right. How many um, underrepresented minorities? So, like gay Americans, trans Americans, do they have in management? So, if you think about what that means, mm. so for a corporation, if you're thinking about going public, which is the ultimate liquidity event, it's where corporations get to raise capital. You can't even maybe do that unless your board looks like the woke suit of, of uh, every, yeah. you know, and so that's where it's almost now getting, yeah. it's gotten so extreme that these companies know, some of them, they don't have a choice yeah. if they want to go down a certain way. So this is where I just think it, it's, mm. uh, and again, greater, different point, but I think as the church has maybe retreated, not, this is not a rebuke in the church, it's just the reality of just, as we've had less Christians in these areas of influence, yeah. we've now seen these other uh, worldviews take over sure. and it makes it tough for a Christian to one work at these companies, but two, we, we really have to consider, do we really want our money invested in these companies that yeah. are really fighting against the gospel and, and against what we believe? Um, I want to come back to inflation. Sure. So we've seen no matter where you are in the world, food prices oh, yeah. have skyrocketed yeah. construction prices. Yeah. And it doesn't seem that incomes are, are matching, matching with inflation. So can you give us a little bit of a broad yeah. background yeah. of yeah. like what's yeah. contributing to all of this? And so we're seeing inflation. The most immediate impact is what's happening in Russia, Ukraine, right? So geopolitical conflict there. I know you've probably heard the statistic, 40% of the world's wheat comes out of Russia and Ukraine. I mean, that, wow. that's a large that's a number. Lot. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So in the way that weeks wor- works is the wheat that we're using right now was planted last year. Right. Okay. So I have very real concerns about the rest of the globe when it comes to food insecurity and poverty, mm. not mm. in the next three months, this time next year. Yeah. I think a lot of the world, especially Africa, unfortunately, is going to be feeling the brunt of mm. what's happening today. That's usually the case, uh, right? That's right. That's right. Because uh, as with all of our issues in America, our, we have a pretty robust farming in agriculture. We, we can farm our food. We can grow sure. food. A lot of countries, China is one of the biggest importers of agricultural products. So right? China is going to feel this mm. next year. Africa is mm. going to feel this next year. Part mm. of Europe is going to feel this next year. Mm. So that's driving. That's going to drive some of the future inflation. But the inflation that's happening right now, it's really unfortunate because mm. the U.S. and not just the U.S., central banks in the U.S., central banks in Europe, you know, we increased our balance sheet by $9 trillion. Okay. Last year in January, we did the final stimulus bill for mm. COVID, which is close to $2 trillion. Right before those bills, inflation was staying pretty normal. Mm. And then that final bill was passed and inflation went through the roof. And so this is where it's just simple demand. When you have more dollars yeah. chasing fewer goods, prices go up. But one of the things was the Federal Reserve met recently discussed about raising interest rates. Mm. And so not to get too technical, but the Federal Reserve has a mandate for full employment and stable prices. Right. Okay. So I always question, well, David, if the Federal Reserve is raising rates, like, what does that even mean? Like, what, like, is that bad? I mean, I guess mortgage rates are going to go up. Obviously, right. so we spend more for help. Right. But what they're really trying to do, like, can the Federal Reserve create more wheat? No. Right. Can the Federal Reserve plant soybean? No. Can the Federal Reserve give us the goods that we need? No. What the Federal Reserve is trying to do by raising rates is they're trying to get people to spend less, Mm -hmm. meaning Mm -hmm. if if they can essentially trigger a recession, the same amount of wheat, the same amount of Apple iPhones, the same amount of vehicles are going to be there. But if they can trigger the demand side to go down, that's going to bring prices down. So they're intentionally trying to force a recession. Most people don't realize that the Fed's 
That's the only tool that they yeah. have. So this is where I just say for us, we, we probably are going to experience a recession. Mm. I mean, it's almost guaranteed. I think Europe will see one mm. in the next 12 months, probably 90% chance. We'll see a recession, but that's the only thing that the Fed has to reduce this inflation. Uh, there's yeah. no other way because they can't create products. They yeah. can't create more supply. They can't fix the supply chain. They just have to reduce the demand. And that's yeah. what we're seeing now. So, you know, okay, coming back to some of the generational stuff, if, yeah. you're, if you're looking at buying a home yeah. right now, I mean, is it something like I need to do this now while interest rates are low or do I need to consider waiting this out? Yeah. Or- so I always get, well, David, I want to wait to buy a home until home prices collapse or take a big hit. <laughs> right. and, I, and I will say, if you look at the 100-year history of home prices, right. 2008 was actually the only recession where home prices actually dropped. Right. So it's actually in most recessions, home prices actually either stay steady or they increase slightly. So my answer would be that the home prices are probably not going to drop anytime soon. The rate at which they're increasing is going to slow, but there's just not enough supply of homes. So if you're someone that's looking for a home right now, I think the situation is not going to get better. Yeah. I mean, it, it, there might be some more supply that you might have better choices, yeah. but from a price standpoint, whether you buy now or a year from now, you're not going to get much benefit for waiting, in my opinion, mm. yeah, unfortunately. So my team and I, we put some additional questions together uh, just to kind of throw at you here. Uh, what are some money myths that you would like to bust? What are some of the things that you hear that you just sort of feel like I'd like to shoot a hole in that because I hear it too much or something? Yeah. So money myths. Uh, let's see. We're, that's a good one. Um, you know, there's always this idea that you need a million dollars to retire, right? That's always a big one. Like, hey, I can't retire unless I have a million dollars. And I would say that's going to be different for every single person based yeah. on their expenses, based on, um, you know, I always say that the biggest thing that can help you plan towards retirement is knowing what your monthly expenses are. I mean, that's, if yep. you know what your monthly expenses are, that'll determine how much you'll need. Sure. And so for someone, a million dollars will be more than enough sure. for someone that, that spends, it's not, not, not yeah. going to be enough at all. Right. Sure. So I think there's this idea that what you need a certain amount uh, for retirement. Uh, another money myth, um, you know, obviously that the more wealth you have, uh, the happier you'll be, right? Yes. Classic. Yep. Um, I get, obviously that is, uh, I, I can introduce you to some people. That's, are, that's right. Are yeah. not happy. Wealth is an amazing tool. Yeah. Uh, and there's zero wrong with wealth. We're in the business of wealth. That's what we do with the clients every day. Sure. Uh, but what I've noticed about wealthy, mm. whether friends or clients, there's always someone wealthier than you. Always. So yeah. what happens is the more money you make, so if you work at a company, your income goes up or your bank account goes up, or your wealth goes up. What happens is you start getting around other people that have money and means. And then you start getting around there. And so what happens is you will never fully ever feel like you've gotten to the place where you've made it. Until you make a spaceship. That's right. Maybe Elon Musk, but I don't even think he owns a home. I think he he sleeps on a couch somewhere, which is just crazy. Uh, He has so so much money. That's right. Exactly. And no material things. Just, you know, $300 billion net worth of Tesla stock. Look, wealth is an amazing tool. We need it to provide for our families. We need it. But, the, the happiness factor, I can tell you, your problems only escalate the more money you have. And it's so this kind of bigger like, problems. Bigger problems, right? And I remember yeah. my, my old boss told me what he's like, his dream was to buy this big old lake house. And he told me, David, he's like, the day I got this lake house, finally, he's like, I made it. I got it. And he goes, he's like, it's great. He's like, 
I thought all my problems would go away. He's like, no, I just have more money to deal with my problems, but now I got a lot more problems. Okay. And again, wealth's an amazing tool, but there's this myth that if you just can make more, your marriage will be better. Yeah. That's a big myth that I always see. Yeah. Uh, If we could just, if our incomes are higher. Both husband and wife. Both we're working. That's right. That's right. Like that would solve our issues. If if we just have a better paycheck. And the point that I'm making is there are certain things in life that we have to do with money, but ultimately our true source of happiness does not come from these material things. And if you are struggling with money and issues, this is where it makes so much sense to sit down with someone that can help you walk through and guide you through uh, some of these issues. I I think I'm going to call this the the financial hot seat with the uh, shot questions we're taking. Okay. Who should use a financial planner and why? Now I know you're a financial planner and you're going to probably say everybody, yeah, yeah, <laughs> but there may be some people who maybe aren't in that category yet. Where they, yeah. So uh, here's here's it. It's actually most financial planners are dealing with people that are about to retire in retirement sure. because when you're young, yeah. you're usually putting money in a four hundred one k, and right. so there, you, it doesn't take a lot of planning. Right. So if you're young, I would say you probably don't have to pay a financial advisor sure. just yet. But I would put money in a four hundred one k. You can always pay a financial advisor hourly, but I just think put it on autopilot, start saving. Once you get within 10 years of retirement, that's why I think it makes a lot of sense to to hire an advisor. Okay. What's the biggest money mistake you see older people make? Money mistake older people make. Interesting. I think probably it's the risk factor, meaning Mm. I've seen a lot of older investors just take on a lot more risk than they probably realize. I don't know why it is, but sometimes I see that there's always like this belief that there's something better out there or like this, Hey, I thought there's this secret investment that is going to have 20% returns and you know, it's risk-free and it's, um, it's also a Ponzi. It's also exactly. Yeah. (laughs) The Iraqi dinars right now. And and I can tell you the fundamentals in investing, what works, it's like own quality companies uh, that pay great dividends, great cash flows. And you don't want to own investments that could potentially blow up. And I've seen a lot of investors get hurt because they mm. go after these shiny objects. Yep. Yep. Uh, and so it's just making sure you're owning the right things and quality companies. Okay. And then how do you help a client who may be dealing with like fear that gets tied to this? Do you have to help clients manage fear, expectations, this sort of thing. I know because we've been friends a long time. There's been times where you've been getting those phone calls yeah. late at night and it's all panic. And that is such a good question because uh, here's where I think with me and you're, we're young. And yep. so we're like probably too fearless in some ways. Like sure, the yeah. future is going to be amazing. Oh, or I could lose it all and I'll just have it, more it'll time. Be fine. Yeah, exactly. I'll, I'll be I'll, good. You know, I'll rebuild it. But I always have to remind myself like, for a lot of our clients, say you're someone that's approaching retirement, you've worked your entire life, you've raised kids, you've now got grandkids, like yeah. you've, you've, you're getting close to the end of your career. The things that concerns that person is going to be different from stuff so that different. concerns me and you. For sure. And yeah. so I, we have to somewhat remind ourselves, but the contrary to that is too, I've got some clients that, God bless them, amazing, but they'll sit at home all day and watch the news. Mm-hmm. And so what happens is, they're constantly fed this narrative yeah, of fear. Yeah. Well, they've been there's an indoctrination with the cable news. That's right. Uh, that's right. Concept, and, right. And it's not that the fears are not valid. Right. It's just what happens is we can get so consumed about all of these issues, right? Mm. The geopolitical issues of Russia, Ukraine. What's China doing? Yeah. What are the Federal Reserve's going to do with interest rates? Is the dollar going to be worth zero? You know, should I put all my money in gold? It can almost be this all-consuming fear. Consuming, of, yeah. And I've had to have conversations with clients of, look, 
there's going to be a lot of things that are going to be outside of our control, yeah. right? Like, can we control what Vladimir Putin does in Russia? I wish we could, but unfortunately we can't. Sure, yeah. uh, can we control what President Xi in China does with their currency? No. Mm-hmm. Can we control what the Federal Reserve does? No. We can control to a degree how much that stuff affects us. Like, yeah. uh, but what I would say is, ultimately, as believers, we know that God is in control and the order of world events, mm-hmm. right? And so that Amen. should be our first line of peace. Yeah. So I think that we sometimes feel like we can control all that or that we have to come up with some plan to protect us from all that. And I always remind my clients, look. This is uh, when you pull your Bible off the shelf. That's right. Say, Let, Let me, me go to first John. Uh, <laughs> So uh, it's just a reminder that as Americans, here's a, if you're, I know this is global. So if you're listening to us other parts of the world and you compare oh, it to are, the situation that. Uh, I mean, they're going through the exact, it's the same because we're such a global economy right. at this point, right? That's right. It's, it's, that's right. I mean, that's right. the Russia, that's Ukraine right. situation, China that's situation, right. our second highest audience is in Australia. So mm. obviously China has a deep connection with yeah. them there. Yeah. So yeah. yeah, they're, they're. And that's right. So no matter where you live, there is some real and valid fear about what the future will be. Mm-hmm. Meaning what is it going to be for the economy? What if we go into recession? Mm-hmm. These are all very real and valid questions. But if you feel like the fear is consuming you to a point where mm. it's getting hard for you yeah. to even function. It's like quality or, of life or, or at losing some point, sleep right? over yeah, yeah. and not doing the things that God has called you to do. Yeah. This is where we have to just mm. take a hard look and say, you know what, let's separate these camps and say, these are the stuff I can't control. Mainly the recession, the feds, the interest rates, the China, Russia, Ukraine. I'm going to put that into this camp. Here's the stuff that I can control, meaning I can control how much I'm putting away and saving. Yeah. I can control how much debt I carry. Um, I can control what I put away for, say, for my kids. And then I'm going to trust God that he's going to honor these steps that I'm doing. Mm. And I'm going to be, a, I'm going to be wise about it. I'm going to get good counsel, but I'm also going to make sure that all of these other issues don't stop me. Cause it happens. What I've seen is people that are so fearful, yeah. they just stop sometimes. You know, I'm so nervous about the markets. I'm so no- I'm just not going to put money away or I'm not going to yeah, save or I'm right. not going to. So it almost is like the, it locks you up. And I would just say, mm. look, God's in control. These issues are going to play out. We want to be watching them. We want to mm. have a plan for them. But mm. don't let this stop you from doing the things that God's called you to do, but also doing the practical steps like saving for retirement, yeah. putting money away and making sure that you can provide a good life for your family. Yeah. And retire. Well, and that's good general wisdom but it's also that's biblical wisdom too and 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 how good is it that you know for the believer to know and trust in a sovereign god that's right you know that's who right. holds the hearts of kings like channels of rivers in his that's hands right. you know so that you can rest easy and then use wisdom and knowledge to that's uh, right. do the things that's that right. are the right things that's right. And, then, that's right and then and as you've said earlier investing in kingdom opportunities which <laughs> pays back dividends higher than any exactly. financial investment you could That's ever exactly put right. into. That's exactly right. Yeah. I would just the reminders. If, if we do our part, meaning we, we've got to save, we've got to put money away. I always mm. feel like God's going to honor that. Same way he honors the tithe. He'll honor your hard work of mm. saving and putting away. Mm. And he'll put the right people in your life to give you good counsel. Yeah. Right. God, of course, and he could, he, he'll always provide, but we've got to be wise and good stewards and make sure yeah. we're prepared as well. Um, any last thoughts? I do think that the future for the world is, uh, it can be unsettling when you think mm-hmm. about it, right? Mm-hmm. It's just, and as Christians, we know what the ultimate events of the, the end of the world and last days look like. 
But here's what I would say, and you could quote this better than I could, but when the God called the Israelites mm. away in captivity, he gave them this, hey, get married. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Jeremiah 29. Yeah, yeah. Jeremiah 29. Uh don't let the fear of what's happening work for the good of the city. Work for the good of the city, even though it's work uh, for the good of the city. Total pagan that's right. That's right. society, exactly. And this is where I'm as as a young father. I know you're a young mm-hmm. father too, Johnny. I'm reminded of that. Of like, God's still calling us to live and enjoy and have a fruitful life yeah. in the midst of suffering yeah. and in the midst of uncertainty and in the midst of turmoil. Mm-hmm. And so, no matter where you are in the world. Mm-hmm. I just think it's a good reminder because... And it's a definition of what fruitfulness That's is, right. right. That's right. There's That's a right. difference between maybe right. perhaps what the world would say financially, globally, economy. That's right. That's exactly versus right. Versus what a believer would define as fruitfulness. That's right. That's yeah. exactly good. right. Yeah. Because I, I just... If, if God wanted us to go straight to heaven, he would put us there. He put us here on this earth. And he yeah. put us here for a set period of time. Yeah. And so we always have to just say, there's things to be fearful about. There's things that God have called us. There's real work that the believer mm-hmm. has to get done while we're here. And so I just think it's encouraging for us to just be lights in our communities, mm-hmm. be lights for our families, be yeah. good leaders, strong fathers, yeah. strong husbands, good husbands. Uh, and, and I wives. think God will honor that. And wives. <laughs> uh, that's right. Well, David Nicholas, this is uh, as always a joy. And uh, we're grateful that you were able to make the time sure. to come and and speak with us and and share some really great and helpful insights. Absolutely, man. I love the show. love the podcast. Happy to be here. Awesome. Thanks. Candid is a podcast from Leading the Way with Dr. Michael Youssef. Don't forget to connect with our social media pages on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And subscribe to Candid Conversations on your favorite podcast platform so that you never miss an episode. While there, please leave a review. It does help people to find us. As always, thank you for listening to and sharing this episode.